Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. I just wanted to say, start the episode by thanking each and every one of you who continue to support the podcast, send me positive messages, and leave me great reviews. This all makes it worthwhile. Just want to thank each and every one of you for listening, supporting, and liking all my memes and liking all my stuff. Now, this episode this week, I am going to give you multiple trigger warnings. It is a very dark, disturbing episode that deals with sexual abuse, drug abuse, and more. So just wanted to warn you while you're listening to the episode or if you're listening with children around, this might not be the one. So with no further ado, let's get into season two, episode seven, entitled Junk Love. The IMDb synopsis for this episode is as follows. When Crockett and Tubbs bust the owner of a bordello, guest star Miles Davis, they discover that one of his drug-addicted prostitutes is the object of a powerful drug dealer's twisted obsession, and that is putting it lightly. So we do open this episode on kind of a fun, okay, I'm going to take that word back, not fun, very stylish, stylistic, bright, colorful setting. It is a brothel or a bordello, however you like to phrase it. Tubbs, of all people, is flipping through a catalog looking at girls, speaking with the brothel owner himself, Ivory Jones, played by none other than Miles Davis. And you can hear that iconic voice in the next clip. That's how I got my name. I used to bring this stuff in, you know, pure ivory, snowflakes. Snowflakes, so pure, pure, like your, your girls. Right. Every <laughs> single one. <laughs> And so naturally, since it's a bust, we have Zito and Switex doing surveillance in their van. As they're recording, Dub's talking to Ivory. They have a very funny interaction. Where's he wearing his mic anyhow? You don't want to know. Hey, well, what happens when he takes all his clothes off? I'm turning in my headset. <laughs> And then we see the rest of the Vice team. Trudy and Gina both look like a million bucks. First scandalous note, Trudy is smoking? She has what appears to be a Virginia Slim lit in her hand outside in a pink strapless dress while Gina walks by looking like a million bucks in this seafoam green sequined three-quarter length sleeved dress. Not quite a gown. It's still a dress. I want to say it comes just below her knees looking like a million bucks. Then we have the girls themselves. We have a lot of pink. We have the skirt that I mentioned in the gallery. I also have the pink bodysuit with very strategic cutouts that I also took a picture of and uploaded. This sounds very shallow. I guess this is my way to enjoy the little bit of superficiality. And I'm really appreciating this right now with how dark the episode gets, because I even wrote in my notes at the beginning of the episode... Quote, I like the sex work centered episodes because great looks and quotes. <laughs> it's true. Everyone looks amazing. Um, not only that, so you also have a woman in outside, so not a sex worker, in a full length. Again, keep in mind, this is Miami, probably the winter full length royal blue bodysuit with two belts. There's no reason you need a belt with a bodysuit. The whole point is that you're sucked in. <laughs> nothing's nothing's getting anywhere. So I digress. Outfits aside, let's get back to the brothel. As Rico is going into the room to meet this girl that Ivory had told him about, 
and the bus is about to go down, they hear a loud crash, a mirror breaking, and they hear a scream. They see this big, sweaty, white guy. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. You meet a guy like that in a brothel running outside really mad and he has blood going down his neck and he keeps saying she bit me she bit me tub starts roughing him up and as soon as he wants to take it to the next level ivory jones has a little bit of wisdom what's happening hey, he threw one of your girls into a mirror she bit me what do you want me to do call a cop get out of here it's true. You own a brothel. You can't exactly call anyone up and be like, hey, this guy broke the law while I'm also breaking the law while all these people are breaking the law. So I do get that. You kind of have to take justice into your own hands. So I appreciate the baseball bat and I appreciate the tubs is roughing him up. But at the end of the day, they let him go. There's really nothing they can do. Although I will commend Crockett and Tubbs for always kind of roughing up, saying that delicately, men who put their hands on women. So I will commend them that. So they go into the room. They find the girl. I will note a continuity error. She's lying down on her side with the broken mirror underneath. When they push her upright, and you can also see when she's down, the blood is on the other side of her face. Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. And as we see her upright, she's still not able to say what her name is. She still doesn't know where she is. She's still very much in shock. She is, however, incredibly strikingly beautiful with these incredibly high cheekbones, large eyes, very symmetrical features, gorgeous all around. And the actress's name, I'm not pronouncing this right, Ellie Pouget, Ellie Pouget, not quite sure, but gorgeous woman nonetheless. And she still looks amazing to this day, almost 40 years later. And as they get her upright, again, like I was saying, she's not answering anything. No name? Hey, come on, everybody's got a name. Not that one. Wow, that's just the open. I've already played four clips and I've already recorded for six minutes and that's just the open. After the intro, we are back at the precinct. We open up on the Junk Love episode title with the no-name girl bawling her eyes out, head down. Gina's letting them know that she doesn't want to make a call and that she, quote, doesn't want him to know, whatever that means. So they focus their attention a little bit more on Ivory. Now, Ivory Jones has quite a sordid past that Castillo was actually a little bit familiar with. And you'll see in this next clip. You used to do a lot of traveling. You two know each other? It's Ivory Jones. Ivory arranged passports for Vietnamese women during the war. Married them to military men, $5,000 apiece. Then he brought him in to work the brothels. Check the passports of all the girls at his club. Yeah, but I'm pure now. Mm, yeah. Just like cocaine. And so it's with this that he asked them to run the passports of every girl who works at his brothel. Welcome back to this because Ytech delivers the unfortunate news to Castillo that the recordings that they had of Tubbs actually in the brothel that would be able to keep Silva in the precinct and to let them hold them, those were destroyed. They kind of give some kind of like convoluted reason. I'm not sure. I watched the episode three times. However, the recordings no longer exist. Therefore, they can't hold Silva. But we'll come back to that. And another little weird thing of continuity. So again, we see the girl in question, the no-name girl with her head down crying. Then she's in the hospital. Wouldn't you take her to the hospital after her face was smashed against a mirror by a violent John. 
and then bring her in for questioning. So I don't understand that. I feel really bad for this poor girl already. And so when we're at the hospital, which please go check the Vice and Easy podcast gallery to see what this hospital looks like, because it is gorgeous. Like it's pastel with this beautiful artwork. Um, I don't know what kind of like top hotel she's, uh, not hotel, top hospital she's staying at, but wow. Crockett Tubbs are at the hospital to get a little bit more information about her once they find out that she is connected to a very well-known and powerful drug dealer named Silva, who also has connections to Ivory. So this all kind of plays out later on in the episode. They want to get a little bit of information from her. In this next clip. I hate him. I grew up in his house. Does he know that you're tricking for Ivory Jones? No. I ran away from Sylvan and Berto. And their games, the horses, the cars, the boats. And so when she admits that, that she's been working with Ivory for about six months, that was her method of escape from Silva. Tubbs kind of keeps playing bad cop, kind of questions her, questions her, to the point that Crockett kind of tells him to chill out. He's able to bond with her a little bit more, and she opens up uh, about her drug use and says that she wants to quit. And they keep referring to it as the monkey, so I am trying to deduce what drug it is from this episode. I can just look it up easily, but I want to do my own investigatory work with this episode. I can't quite figure out if it's heroin or if it's something akin to ketamine that kind of chills you out. And again, I don't take drugs, so maybe ketamine does not chill you out because I know a lot of people do it at parties. So uh, please feel free to let me know. <laughs> I'm assuming it's heroin or dope. Just the way that she is, they keep saying strung out, they keep saying another hit, junk love, chasing the monkey or dealing with the monkey when I thought it was chasing the dragon. Maybe because they can't say the word heroin on network TV in 1985. Maybe that's it, but who knows. And their visit ends with her pleading with Crockett for just one hit and that she wants to quit, she wants to get clean, and that she does actually want to help them. So... They do have this in their favor. As they leave, Tubbs has some less than favorable things to say about her. And I will play a little blast from the past and show you that he's basically going against his own words. If you ask me, Roselle is a spoiled brat and could be a real nightmare to work with. That plop you hear is a bouquet of flowers being thrown on a woman who is in the hospital recovering from being physically assaulted and thrown into a mirror. The person that is bringing those flowers is none other than Roberto, the person that she mentioned earlier, akin to a protege for Silva. Unfortunately, he does give her the hit that she's been looking for, and she comments that he's becoming more and more like Silva Sr., every day. And he refers to the drugs in question as poppies. So that is where I hypothesize that they are talking about heroin. Poppies, heroin, opium, opiates. So that's where I'm drawing the connection. Turns out that Silva is also being investigated by the feds. 
And lots of death was in his organization. So they're not sure if he's kind of doing like an internal cleanse. There's just been a lot of betrayal or something more at play. This is where Gina pops in and lets them know the kind of person that they're dealing with. Dan is a competition junkie. And Roberto Panaro was taught to be his main competitor. Cars, boats, planes, soldiers of fortune, always trying to top each other. Apparently it gets dangerous. Okay, they go from cars, boats, to soldiers of fortune, to mercenaries? Like, are they hiring their own mercenaries? (laughs) What is this? This just escalated very quickly. And as the Vice Squad are at OCB kind of trying to deduce what's the best way to approach a situation, Crockett does bring up that Rosella did tell him that she wants to help and that she's an in, that she obviously has a connection with Silva. Again, Tubbs is the one who's not really feeling it. And the next scene, they go for a drive to drive by Silva's house. Once again, Tubbs is really not liking the idea of working with Rosella. What's bringing you down, man? The girl. Get back with this guy. I feel sorry for him. Come on, this ain't exactly no ghetto. I don't think this is just another screwed up junkie rich girl, Rico. She wanted out. She must have had a reason. Something really heavy's going on with her. I don't know what it is, but I got a bad feeling about it. They don't sweat it, man. Living is easy. They dig the house. Okay, Rico. He thinks, again, she's a spoiled brat, that she wants this life, whereas Crockett is, you know, trying to put some perspective on the situation. I'm going to play a clip from you from season one, episode 11, entitled The Little Prince. But the saddest thing is an uptown junkie. They're only into it because they hurt so much inside. I hear you. Right? You all heard that. Nothing sadder than an uptown junkie. As we pass by this gorgeous, sprawling mansion, where clearly we know that's where she's living with, with Silva. But no compassion, no sympathy for her situation, where she said the only way to escape Silva was to turn tricks at a brothel and take drugs. So... I don't know. Maybe they just need to add conflict in there. They just need to, you know, show different perspectives. But yeah, the continuity is kind of weird on that because I remember that very clearly from the episode. However, OCB is able to count Ivory as a source. So when Castillo and Ivory are talking while Ivory is getting back the jewelry and the belongings that they confiscated when they booked him, Castillo does mention that he knows that three of his working women are in the country illegally. And that information might bring him a lot of trouble if it were to fall into the wrong hands. Basically kind of backing him into a corner, making him cooperate with them. Ivory is really apprehensive. He does not want to work with Silva. He, again, has worked with Silva in the past. He has stated that he does not have any relationship with them anymore. So we leave it at that and we go to Silva's house. This is where we see gorgeous. She looks amazing in the mirror. And this, like, purple sheer teddy, but she's not really moving. She doesn't really have a lot of energy. And Silva comes to the door, says that he's happy that she's back. And she does not respond in kind. I'm glad you're back. 
I'm not. I was just passing by and I saw you. You're beautiful, Rosa. You disgust me. Please keep note of the song that's playing in this clip. It's called True Love by Wang Chung. And we'll discuss it later on the episode. And it's at this time Silva forces her onto the bed and it gets worse. Let me go. You're so hot, Let me go. I've told Roberto everything. He said that if you touch me again, you'd have to answer to him. Silva scoffs at the notion that Roberto can do anything, basically says he's powerless, just like her, and keeps forcing himself on her on the bed, and she pleads with him, and she tries to push him off, and she says, no, you said it was the last time, last time. And he basically continues to force himself on her and kind of insinuates, like, one more time that it's happening and kisses her. And then we cut to this, cut to the next scene where Silva is in a fish truck, of all places. Interesting. Yeah, we'll leave that as a little bit food for thought that I will want to add because I'm going to play this clip and I want you to go see the picture before you hear the clip. The truck itself is bright pastel blue with, like, pink and purple coloring on it. And then this is what Silva says when Roberto, remember Roberto's his protege, he's coming in via dinghy, I want to say from a ship that's moored, like, a mile, half a mile offshore, he's bringing in a delivery of fish. But this is Silva's advice, Roberto. Oh, a good trip, a very good trip. Don't you wear a neon sign and advertise that we're here. Yes, in the super low-key neon fish truck. <laughs> you are, you're one to talk. So we see all these fish getting thrown from the dinghy into the truck. So we're kind of trying to deduce where where the goods are. So again, Crockett and Tubbs are keeping watch. They have binoculars. They're also looking incredibly handsome in two different ways to wear a stripes, where Crockett is wearing the gray blazer with thicker stripes and not super defined stripes, whereas Tubbs has a blue and light blue striped tie. So I thought that was kind of cool, like a different way to pull off a similar style then once the dinghy leaves with a briefcase full of fifty thousand dollars and again this briefcase has been prepped if you get what i'm saying it will detonate once they reach back to their boat uh that was the plan all along for silva to basically take a roberto so once roberto and the other crew leave on the dinghy his partner, Silva's partner, takes out a giant chunk of what looks to be weed or hash wrapped up and put in the fish. So that's obviously how they're getting their their deliveries. And true to his form, as much as the other guy's protesting, you know, like, this guy's not that bad, blah, blah, blah. Nope. Briefcase has been set and the bomb goes off. Boat explodes in the ocean, killing everybody on board. Croc and Tubbs see it. Now, keep in mind that Silva just heard that Roberto would be willing to kill him if directed by Rosella. So is that the motivation? Is there more? Is it just more a competition thing? Like Gina said, we'll get to that in a little bit. In the next scene, the camera pans into an impeccably dressed crowd of wasps awaiting to hear the next auction as Crockett, Tubbs, and Ivory 
discuss in less than sensitive terms what happened with Roberto. Did you find out who got cremated? Not enough parts to put back together. Where's Roberto? Hey, what did he tell you then? No, his boat's missing. He's missing. Some of his crew is missing. They're done. Wow. Quote, who got cremated? <laughs> Ouch. Oh, man. Well, the reason they're all at this auction is because they're going to bait Silva into a little bit of competition. Again, we're getting that recon that this is what he likes. So I want you to hear the item they're going to be bidding on today. Lot 28, the Lauderdale Lady. Launched in Fort Lauderdale on the 4th of July. This freedom-minded, custom-designed, and outfitted 61-foot motor yacht is currently berthed right here in the Miami Marina for instant and convenient delivery to this afternoon's top bidder. What a gorgeous voice, right? Just the way that she's describing this boat is so lovely and soothing. I wanted to call the clip Auction AMSR. Uh, just like a voice you could just fall asleep to. So soothing. Also, I just love the way that she describes that boat. It's called the Lauderdale Lady. So let's get to bidding. So the bid starts pretty low at $30,000, which I kept the note of because I'm just thinking about like how high it gets. We're getting up to like $200,000 territory. Crockett and Silver are the only ones bidding. And as Crockett keeps bidding and bidding, Tubbs gets a little bit more concerned each time. C350, I do. We might leave you holding. Get him to buy it for lots and lots of money. Secret to success, Rico, whether it's women or money, there's no one when to quit. I ought to know. I'm divorced and broke. And with that iconic line, he's not bidding anymore, Silva ends up winning the Lauderdale Lady for a bid of $475,000, which in today's dollars is approximately 1.3 million U.S., and so despite not winning the auction, Silva is quite impressed with Crockett, keeps looking back at him, prompting Crockett to say, Well, are you sure he's not into guys? Her name is Shayla. He's flashing his big browns. He loves competition. He likes to challenge young guys and then destroy them. Well, he's come to the right neighborhood. Lots of great one-liners and comebacks. Very witty episode. And again, the writer of this episode, Julia Cameron. Once again, Silva's quite impressed with Crockett. Sends a bottle of champagne via a very hunky server, I might add, with a pink handkerchief. And it's also, um, they use like a pink cloth for the ice bucket, which I was very impressed with. Sends over the champagne to Crockett, Tubbs, and Ivory. Crockett rejects, sends it back, and says the name's Burnett. Once the server delivers this news to Silva, Rosella asks to see who it is. And then they end up all dining together, or drinking together, let's be real. Because, please go check the gallery, I took a picture of Crockett with a shot of whiskey, like always, and a flute of champagne. I will note, Crockett looks incredibly handsome in this scene. He's wearing a very light beige, almost ecru jacket that matches the champagne. So I really like that detail. It's like a very similar shade. And as they're talking, Silva grabs Rosella's hand and it's really uncomfortable, basically kind of like forces her hand down on the table. And then Silva mentions something about that Crockett reminds him of Roberto, his protege. And then Crockett mentions, oh, I'd love to meet your protege. Silva kind of pauses for a second, then ends up inviting all of them to a party. 
Ivory declines right away, says that he's busy. Silva retorts that it's good for a gentleman to have plans. And Crockett and Tubbs have plans tonight because they're going to that party. As they pull up to the beautiful mansion they already passed by with these beautiful cars in the driveway, Slave to Love starts playing. I love this song so much. It is such a beautiful song. In this episode, like we'll talk about at the end, it hits different. The second time I watched this episode, it felt very different watching this scene. So they get to the party. Silva and Rosella invite them in. Tubbs kind of makes some passing remark like, oh, it must be nice to have all this stuff. Silva brings him into what appears to be kind of like the game room or the bar. I don't know. Rich people have a million rooms for a million different reasons. Shows in this painting. It's the house that he grew up in. He states that he was sleeping in the same room with his brothers and sisters and chickens. So talking about his humble roots and where he is now. He leaves them be and asks Rosella to take them on a tour of the house. And with Silva gone, she has space to talk to Crockett and Tubbs. And she once again states that she hates it here. She hates this world. Tubbs, however, is not buying it. I hate his world. We believe you. Or we'd like to believe you. If I didn't hate him, I would tell him who you are. Very true. She's got you there, Tubbs. And basically it's the point where Tubbs kind of keeps pushing and pushing her and she tells him to get lost. So once Tubbs leaves, she opens up a little bit more to Sunny about what's going on and her drug problem and that she really wants to quit. I guess I just need more to kill the pain. Does it? No. And as we watch Tubbs enjoy or peruse the party, we notice that there are lots of photos of her, good photos, headshot photos of her throughout the entire house. And so as we touch back in with Sunny and Rosella, she's talking a little bit more with him, getting more open. He brings up the fact that Roberto was killed by Silva. She refutes it. She doesn't want to hear it. It's not the best acting job in the world. Let me see if I can have a clip. I don't have it. I'm sorry. But yeah, it's it's not the greatest acting. The Burries basically she can't believe it. She's already like a little bit high at this point. And he kind of, again, is trying to get out of her. What is keeping her here with Silva? She basically says that she hates herself and that if she told him the real reason that she stays, he wouldn't like her. And at this time, he's holding her for comfort. She kisses him on the cheek. Tubbs is watching this all go down on CCTV footage in a secret room in Silva's house that he stumbled upon. As he's watching Rosella and Sunny embrace platonically, but still embrace on the camera footage, we see Silva pop up behind him and make some comment about voyeurism. It's pretty icky. Before I play another clip, I do want to point out that I think one interior shot that they show on the camera is from Rites of Passage. It looks very similar. The glass door is also on the left-hand side, and it's a white railing that um, the bars are horizontal instead of vertical like usual. So I think it's the same house. I did post photos from Rites of Passage on the gallery to see if I'm right. This is a little bit more of what Silva's telling Tubbs. She knows the cameras are there. She knows I like to watch strange games. My notes are just, ah, 
exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. So as they're making their way onto the exterior of the house or the patio, so to speak, a dogfight is about to start. And I'm saying that with a question mark because everyone at this party is dressed so fancy. It just doesn't in my head. I'm saying this as a vegetarian, so I'm saying I never want to see one. It didn't really compute with me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe super fancy rich people like to watch dog fights. Who knows? There's a great scene where a server comes up, offers Crockett and Tubbs a tray with just giant lines of cocaine, ends up taking a hit for himself, then goes over to Rosella, hands her something which she puts in her pocket. So as Crockett and Tubbs are about to leave, naturally, because they don't want to watch a dogfight either, Silva gets talking to them and he wants Crockett and Tubbs to get a package for him. And then as they leave, the dogfight is about to commence. Obviously, I'm not including any audio clips of the dogs barking. Silva and Rosella talk again. This time, she's threatening to leave. She says that she can make her own money. She mentions that she was working for Ivory. Silva basically rejects any notion that she could ever leave. He scoffs and makes some comment like, what are you going to leave in my car? So unfortunately, that argument sadly goes nowhere. And then the next scene, Zito and Switek are bugging or putting like a GPS tracker, a very big, bulky GPS tracker with giant lights that you could see in the gallery on the boat. And we see Rosella lying in the, in the pool when Silva comes up to talk to her, she scoffs at him and says that it's rude for a host to leave the party early. She was wondering where he went last night, why he left the party early. He drops Ivory's necklace into the pool. Then it gets worse from there. Listen, I'm tired of you going off with your young friends and having your romantic chatter and your little adventures, you understand? I like to watch. Come on, get out of the pool. You're just jealous. You're jealous of anybody who comes in your way. I'm jealous. Jealous of what? You love me. And you always have and you always will. Do you understand that? Oh, yeah, it's just a really rough scene. He's getting physical with her. And then we cut to the next scene where Rosella is walking into Ivory's old brothel with Gina and Trudy. She's brought them there. They're all looking amazing, by the way. But there's a gorgeous shot of Rosella talking to Gina, where Rosella's in this gorgeous, long, I want to say fuchsia pink dress, silk dress. And Gina is in another seafoam green with a dark green skirt. And they're talking. And Gina also has a green handbag. So it's just like a very much um, matching set that I really appreciate. But Gina and Trudy are not really too patient with her. To be fair, Rosella is kind of like talking in puzzles and riddles as she's stroking Ivory's necklace. Basically, it does come out that Silva has killed Ivory because of Rosella. She mentioned that it's a pattern. She's mentioned Enrico, the gentleman that wanted to marry her, Roberto, other men in her life. And like Castillo had said, there were a lot of deaths within the organization. This is it. And that she's worried that Crockett is next because Silva thinks that she likes Crockett. So he has a target on his back. And this at the same time where they're doing the bust where Crockett and Tubbs are going to go get a package for Silva. Gina and Trudy again, a little bit snippy, like, well, thanks for telling us now. Walk out and then we see Silva upstairs watching the whole thing go down. 
Trudy is in Castillo's office explaining that this is the risk that Crockett is in. And as they're talking, Gina comes in to drop off a jacket with information that they should know about. There's something they ought to know. I don't blame her for lying. Not when the truth is this sick. Oh, so they know what's really going down. The bust is still going to continue. The vice squad is there to surveil and act as backup when necessary. We see a boat called Limited Edition. And I love her outfit. She actually looks gorgeous. She's wearing kind of like shiny pink purple pants and a silver jacket. But it's like a very loose cut silver jacket. Um, like the lapels are um, very loose. It just looks stunning. Again, this girl's a model, so she could pull off anything. But she looks gorgeous in this. However, things start to turn. They switch boats. Silva has a feeling that maybe his boat's been bugged. Orders Rosella and his whole crew to switch boats. They're going on to the Lauderdale Lady, the boat that he just won in the auction not too long ago. And it's with this switch that the vice team loses their tail because they can no longer monitor the, the GPS position of Silva and his crew. Crockett swimming out to this buoy in the middle of nowhere. Tubbs does mention that it might be booby-trapped. However, they look, they can't find anything. As Crockett says, there's nothing there, there's no dope, a radio call comes in. Do you read me, Tubbs? Yeah, I read you. We lost them. You're on your own. There's no smack out here. It's a hit. Get out. Crockett! Hey, come on, get back in the boat! We lost our backup! And so by the moment that Crockett actually makes it back into the boat, Silva pulls up in his yacht, giant boat, the Lauderdale Lady, whatever you like to call it, with his hired goons up above on the deck while him and Rosella are fighting. Hired goons? However, despite this fight, Silva still wants to let Crockett know exactly what he intends to do. No dope, no arrest. No witnesses and no backup. Just two dead vice cops in the open sea. Please. Please. Why not? Wouldn't they kill me if they had the chance? They would. Again, the goons fire off at them a bit, back off as Rosella is kind of trying to keep him back and trying to keep Silver from shooting Crockett and Tubbs. This is where the fight switches off. Crockett and Tubbs both completely perplexed as to what's going on. He's crazy. Yeah, but he's got the machine guns. Silva's telling Rosella at the same time, you know how much I love you. I'm proving my love for you by doing this. She's like, what are you talking about? How is anything that you've ever done for me love? He ends up giving her the gun. I'm going to play this next clip. Go on, Rosella. If you don't love, you kill me. He keeps kind of antagonizing her and it gets worse and worse. I know I have to break this clip into like a million parts because of music rights, but bear with me here. It's a lot. <laughs> 
Go on, Priscilla. You kill your own flesh and blood. You murder your father. Yeah, like I told you, it's pretty awful and pretty dark and horrific. And at the end of the episode, we don't hear the gunshot, but this is the last words that we hear in this episode. Goodbye, Daddy. That's the end of the episode. I, for one, hope that she pulled the trigger. And since we're in a pretty dark, somber mood as we wrap up this episode, let's dive into music because while all of these songs are amazing and great on their own, especially as much as I love Slave to Love, the way they are used in this episode, especially with the twist, once I went back and rewatched the episode two times to grab media and make notes and, and so forth, it really hit me differently. So the first song we hear is True Love by Wang Chung after Rosella has been taken home by Silva in the hospital. This is when she's brushing her hair in front of the mirror. Silva comes in, forces himself on her. And it's just like a very... And it's upbeat enough. And the lyrics like, True love is the answer to anything. Juxtaposed with what we now know is this horrific, abusive, incestuous relationship. Then when we get to Slave to Love, when Rosella's breaking down a Crockett, you could hear it in the clip. This is when they repeat, can you help me? And this is when she's reaching out to Crockett. Like, it's just a very haunting part of the song to overlay with that conversation. And then at the end, when they're playing Little by Little by Robert Plant... You keep hearing the lyrics, I can breathe again, I can breathe again, I can breathe again as she's about to kill her abuser, who's also her father. I just thought it was really well executed, very haunting. I did have really bad dreams after I had to watch this episode three times. So I'm never watching it again. That's <laughs> that's it. Um, great episode, amazing fashion. So let's lighten the mood and let's go over some looks. Ah, so let's lighten the mood because I actually have two picks for best dressed man. I want to say it's a three-way tie between Crockett and Miles Davis, but the three-way tie is because Crockett is also tied with itself. So like I mentioned, Crockett looking amazing in that beige kind of like champagne colored suit with the flutes of champagne in the shot. Also Crockett in the blue blazer textured blazer with the black lapels looks so amazing with the white undershirt and then Tubbs at the party has a bow tie on which I thought was very sweet Tubbs is always like very dapper he's a little bit more east coast but I really appreciate Crockett's look at that party then of course like I said Crockett is tied with Ivory Jones just the way you meet him in that cold open with all of his jewelry, including the fabled necklace and the blue kind of jacket shirt, jacket, if you will, just looks amazing. And again, he brings so much to this episode. One of the best guest stars, possibly of all time. And again, like not really chewing the scenery, just delivering amazing lines with that iconic voice. Love it. And now let's get to the ladies. Like I mentioned, Gina in that sparkly seafoam dress. 
that's ruched in the center, low cut as well. And there's an amazing picture of her in the precinct with her badge. It's just while she's in this dress with her boobs out. I love it. Also, her bag matches. Then the girl behind her with the belted pink shorts. That's why I told you I do love these sex work focused episodes because of how amazing all these outfits are. I also really love Rosella in the pink silk dress while she's talking to Gina and Trudy about what she worries is going to happen to Crockett. Like I mentioned, that electric blue bodysuit and the pink bodysuit can't get enough. One of the best styled episodes we've had so far, which I'm really enjoying. Everyone looks amazing this entire episode. The one thing I do miss as we get into decor, I wish that Silva's house had more wildness in terms of the decor. We had some great 80s art deco cocaine palace decor in last episode with Buddies and Marty Singer, a.k.a. Nathan Lane's hotel room. I am going to give my best decor vote, however, to the hospital. Not only with the pink light above the bed, with the pastel walls and the artwork in her room. And you can also see the different, like the paint style above, like different colored squares above her bed. Uh, I've never seen a hospital that gorgeous, <laughs> that well decorated. Also, of course, I'm going to give my decor second place or my silver cup to the brothel. The pink decor, even outside after it's been shut down with the statues and the palm trees and everything amazing. So, and as we wrap up this episode, let's get to some wine liners. Because again, with Miles Davis guest starring, I had to give him the top spot with the iconic. What do you want me to do, call a cup? The delivery of that line is just so amazing. I love it. Because it's just so deadpan and serious. Like, yeah, of course, we're in a brothel. What are you going to do? Call the cops? And then second place, it's going to go to our boy, Sonny. Whether it's women or money, there's no one when to quit. I ought to know. I'm divorced and broke. And with that, I'm very happy to have been able to end this horrifically haunting episode on somewhat of a comical note. Again, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. It keeps me motivated, keeps me doing this each and every week and sharing my love of Miami Vice with you. Again, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave me a five-star review. It always helps and I always appreciate it. You can always find more at viceneasypodcast.com and you can also find me on anything social at viceneasypodcast.com. Find me wherever you find your podcast. Thank you so much again for listening. We'll be back with hopefully a little bit of a fluffier episode next week. And as always. Hey, man, Miami Wise is number one new show.